0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Sportsaholic Podcast. As always, I'm Max Zucker on the other line is Sean Conway. And Sean, we're going to make this a shorter show than we normally do, yet against the coronavirus epidemic that is just swirling throughout our country. Not a lot of news. we got some draft recaps we want to get into. But before that, what's going on with you this week, sir?
1: Well, uh, before we get started on what I'm doing the rest of the week, uh, I'll say what I've done this week so far. I've been giving you guys some beer garden updates. From my my beer plants that I've been growing. The barley and wheat continue to be really strong. I mean, they've now been repotted into bigger pots. The hops, though, I think I might have gotten a bad batch. Because even the little little cup that I had growing, that I planted, never grew, never sprouted. It's been a little over two weeks now. And even the ones I put in the wet paper towels as well haven't really done anything. So I think I might have gotten a bad bag. I might go to like rural king or something and find some uh some hop seeds to try this again but that's what all i have really right now for my garden outside oh cool. I'm, today i'm gonna i'm gonna plant some uh bell pepper seeds in my outdoor garden so that'd be pretty cool if very I grow cool those. very cool doubt the squirrels will ever let me you know you know reap the benefits of uh the of, of all that labor but we'll see Anyways, rest of the week, Lindsay's birthday is tomorrow. I'm going to make her a nice dinner tomorrow. And then Friday, she took the day awesome. off. We're going to go hiking and camping in one of nice. the lovely uh, outdoor areas of, uh, of southern Illinois. Can't wait for that. We usually go camping in a tent, but we have this really large like 10-person tent for just the two of us. And it's kind of it's more of a hassle to set up. So we're going to go camping out of the back of my Jeep.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. You don't need the luxury palace tent for a one-night stay, but no, that's cool. Tell Lindsay, obviously, say happy birthday. I wish her the best. I hope you guys have a fun trip. That sounds like like it's going to be a good uh, birthday uh, treat for your uh, fiancé, my friend. Anyways, let's get into the show this week. Sean, we're gonna do some recap here. Obviously, the last two week, uh, two weeks we did our mock draft. Last week we recapped the first round, and now we just kind of want to dive into rounds two through seven of the twenty twenty NFL draft. I mean, there was a lot of great uh, selections here, Sean. Can you give us maybe two, three, four guys who you know went later than round one that you really liked?
1: Well, first we got to start with our alma mater. The Carolina Panthers traded up to get the last pick of the second round, taking safety Jeremy Chin from SIU Woo-hoo! 64th overall pick. That's the fourth highest draft pick in SIU history. So we just got to give a little go Dog shout out there. Yeah, and absolutely go-dogs. Of their starting defense from last season, and then adding Derek Brown, Yatira Gross, Matos, and Jeremy Chin, I think yeah. that's going to make a huge immediate impact on their defense. Jeremy Chin's absolutely. cool. I have a buddy who lives in Charlotte. Um, and, you know, he, when I was a reporter, he was one of my favorite athletes to interview. Here, so he probably didn't even remembers my name. But my buddy who lives in Charlotte is gonna get me his autograph for him. He's a autograph hawk of, of all kinds. I'm looking Bad, forward yes. to it. I might even buy his jersey one day, depending on what team. Uh, I'm not a huge
0: Panthers fan, so we'll see. But <laughs> I couldn't do that. But uh, you know, if he if he ever comes to
1: Chicago, sure, I'd absolutely get it. Uh, what other selections did you like, Sean? Well, uh, I also liked the Buffalo Bills taking A.J. Epinesa. Mm-hmm. They desperately needed a, a strong pick after giving up their first-round draft pick for Stephon Diggs, and they absolutely did that. Last, uh, or Actually, not last season. and Since 2017, A.J. Epinesa from Iowa has had 138 quarterback pressures at sixth most in the country. Oh, wow. And, I mean, he could have an impact... Right away, but I think they'll probably give him some reps here and there but really develop him underneath Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison on that uh Bill's you know defensive front I think Eppenez was a great pick here probably one of the strongest selections they could have made at that point I know you had him going in the first round and I was just yes. kind of surprised that he fell that far definitely one of the biggest steals of uh of the draft rounds two through seven agreed agreed. And then let's see. Also, I had uh the Bengals adding a weapon for Joe Burrow, taking T. Higgins with the first pick of the second round. I was really just kind of surprised that he fell so far. I mean, we yeah. both had him going in the first round. I know there were some questionable, you know, selections. I had Jalen Rieger going in the first round, but I did not have him going before Higgins or Justin Jefferson. So that was kind of a shock to me with with that pick by the Eagles. I think the Bengals got away with another steal here
0: no i think that i mean exactly you're building for the future here if you're uh the if you're the Bengals, you take burrow obviously with the number one pick i mean you got a deteriorating aj green i mean why not bring in t higgins this made absolute all the sense in the world there a couple of the selections i really like sean um one was, I mean, we talked about Josh Jones. I thought he was at least second-round talent. I thought I had him going in the first round on my board. Uh, he was the eighth overall pick in the third round by the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, the Cardinals, to me, I mean, they get Isaiah Simmons with pick number eight, so they get a huge defensive piece, you know. And then they still address offensive tackle, the right tackle, which is exactly what they really needed to address. Um, and they got that in the third round. I mean, that's that's big kudos. Uh, if you really look at draft classes here, Sean, I want to talk about two of them really brief, and that's the Ravens and the Colts. I mean, these got teams made great selections in and out, but two of their picks in particular, let's talk about the Ravens first, but J.K. Dobbins with the 55th overall selections. You mocked, um I believe you had Jonathan Taylor uh, as a first-round potential for Baltimore. They waited all the way to the second round, and they take J- uh, J.K. Dabbins. I mean, that's an absolute steal. It gives the absolute allure. I mean, they're already the best rushing team in the country in the NFL. And, the, you know, I mean, with Dabbins, obviously that helps. Uh, In the sixth round, too, they get sneaky here. This is uh, exactly where the Ravens, why they've been so successful, Sean. They get a lot of fifth, sixth-round picks correct. And I love the pick of James Prochet, the wide receiver from SMU. I think that's going to be a great pick for uh, Lamar Jackson and company.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, um, before we go to break, I figured, oh, you still have another pick. Sorry, I I apologize. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, no, no, I got one more pick, and then I thought we'd talk about two other uh, quick things with the draft before we wrap up this segment, Sean. Uh, Colts, like I was saying, too, another just great draft class, Sean. You look at all their picks. Again, I couldn't just choose one from their selection. I look at their running back selection, and and they take Jonathan Taylor with the uh, 40, uh, first overall pick. I mean, the, absolutely, that's something that the Colts needed to do. I don't hate Marlon Mack, but obviously Jonathan Taylor gives you a lot better of an option at the the running back game, and I had the Colts trading up for Jacob Eason with the 31st selection to San Francisco. I mocked that. Well, they got Jason Eason Sean in the fourth round. Oh, in wow. the fourth round, that's what I'm saying. That's an absolute steal. I also thought I heard Sean something that's always fun besides the guys that actually get drafted are those guys who don't get drafted, but they're you know, the uh. You know, they're the free agents, technically. They're the undrafted free agents, and every mm-hmm. year we see uh, undrafted free agents make a big splash in the NFL. I just kind of want to translate here, Jacob Eason, like I said, I loved him going to the Colts. I mean, you know, for Philip Rivers' sakes. But if you look at one of his uh, counterparts at Washington, that was Hunter Bryant, the tight end. He went undrafted to the Lions and I thought that was a great move. You drafted T.J. Hawkinson a year before Lions fans, if you remember him. Hunter Bryant's a nice uh, tight end, too. Had 1,394 yards receiving with five total receiving touchdowns in his uh, three years at Washington with a career-high 825 last year. So that's who I thought was a steal uh, as an undrafted free agent. Did you see anyone that you liked?
1: Yeah, actually, the Chicago Bears signing Ladarius Mack, the younger yeah. brother of Khalil Mack. Yeah, that's To right. uh, an unsigned, undrafted free agent deal, he's the edge rusher from Buffalo. Last season, he had eight sacks, twelve tackles for losses, and three forced fumbles throughout the season. Absolute beast! I'm excited to see if he can develop into the same talent that his older brother is. It'd be really cool to have you know Big Mack and Mack Junior. <laughs> yeah, <in> the, uh, <laughs> on the defensive line for for the Bears. Hey, I really
0: like the pick, too. Obviously, just talking about the Bears for a second. I didn't think their draft class was terrible. I mean, I really like the Jalen Johnson selection for us. but And again, I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was terrible. We'll, we'll see there. But again, I really do like, again, undrafted free agents can make a big one. And I believe Mac, uh had seven sacks last year at, uh, at, uh, at the University of Buffalo. So hopefully that eight, will... That was eight sacks. Eight sacks. Okay, yeah, exactly. Hopefully that will translate, obviously, in the NFL in some way, uh, some form or fashion. Let... Overall thoughts, I thought, again, it was a great draft. I really liked the virtual style. I actually thought it was uh, really appealing. Again, just overall, I thought the selections this year, I mean, it was a truly a great draft, great selections, great picks. Uh, you really look at those ro- rounds one through four guys, Sean, I think all of those guys really have potential to be NFL starters, not just reserves, but starters, if you look at those most of those selections in the first four rounds. So I think that's really impressive. Uh, was there anything else, Sean, that you saw that you liked, didn't like, you know, team-wise or just draft-wise for uh, before we wrap up the
1: 2020 draft discussions? I think it was the Cincinnati Bengals who just had absolutely no fans on that camera behind Goodell during the, no. the draft. I think that was, one, hilarious that the NFL couldn't find 12 fans for the <laughs> Bengals. But two, I mean, come on. I, I mean... They couldn't find twelve people from the from the city of Cincinnati to go on that.
0: That is ridiculous. No, that is absolutely ridiculous.
1: I, uh, I. Other than that, I agree. I do like the the virtual format. I wonder if they'll use that again, possibly in years in years you know in future, you know years because it, it makes it a little easier. I felt than having everyone, you know, if they were everyone was getting. Shuttled to and from the stage via boat in front of the Bellagio. I feel like it would have been a seven hour fiasco for the first right. time.
0: Right. Right. I mean, we would, I mean, again, we were on a Zoom call for four hours and 15 minutes. And don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. But I didn't, exactly. You don't want it to go five and a half, six, seven hours, which it probably would have. Again, virtual format may be the way to go going forward. But either way, Sean, let's take a quick break here on the podcast. On the flip side of this break, we'll just kind of get into everything, uh, what else is going around in sports before we sign off for this week. Again, this is a shortened version here on the Sportsaholic Podcast this week with max zucker and sean conway
1: you can't buy a best friend you can love them walk them pet them and care for them whether they want you to or not you can take a picture or 50 you can fly to the moon travel the world or just stay in bed you can't buy a best friend like that but you can adopt one there are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. And we're back here on the Sportsaholics podcast. We usually wait until towards the end of the show to talk baseball since we kind of get a little long-winded with that. But there were some pressing news that we felt necessary to throw into the top. We want to send our thoughts and prayers out to Trey Mancini from the Orioles who uh, announced via the Players' Tribune that he has been diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer after te- after being diagnosed on March 6th. He was going in for testing for celiac disease and a couple of other things because there were some weird issues he was he was facing. But after he went under the anesthetic for the colonoscopy, something much graver was on the other end when he woke up. And he, they told him that there was a tumor. Six days later, he had that tumor removed, and he began chemo on April 13th, and he believes with that treatment and what's going to do with his body, he's going to be out for the remainder of this season, which is just real upsetting because last year was a career year for Mancini, posting a 3.5 war and 35 home runs. I mean, you hate to see that for anyone, really, but especially when someone who is really starting to, you know, produce at a good level, and it's just unfortunate he's going to be missing you know, the rest of this season, whatever season there is, there's a bunch of proposals right now on that are gaining some speed and traction on, on when baseball will return, but nothing's really set in stone. So we're going to hold off reporting on that because I hate all the speculation talk that we do, but yeah. uh, Trey Mancini out for the season if there is one. Nothing's set in stone on when they're going to come back. Max, what's uh, what's your take on that?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like you said, Sean, I mean, the guy had a career high in home runs and RBIs with 97. We just feel awful. So hopefully, hopefully you can recoup and get back for 2020, which honestly, again, Sean, I kind of hope is the place it planned now. I just don't want us to rush things. That's the only point I'm making. I hate, you know, haste makes waste here. Don't rush the things. Let's get everything kind of seized and controlled first before we resume back to sports. It's as boring as this uh, has been. But there's a little bit of exciting news. Uh, former Red Sox star and 2004 World Series MVP Manny Ramirez, who last appeared with the Tampa Bay Rays back in 2011. John is looking to get back into the game. He'll be, will wow. be turning Yeah, 48 years old here, just about a month from now. He does not want to return to Major League Baseball, though. He wants to go play in the uh, uh, Taiwan Baseball League and be kind of like a player uh, manager. He wants to get some at-bats, obviously, because he still feels like slugging them, which is hilarious. But he wants to kind of get into the managing thing. It's not that surprising, Sean, in 2014... He was uh, a special assistant and a player on the... Triple uh, A team for the Cubs of all things. He did mm. a little bit of coaching, and he didn't take too many at bats because obviously you want to give those bats to the minor league players. But it was nice having. I just remember it's kind of nice having a, a Manny Ramirez around to you know help groom some of those younger players. Like Chris Bryant was, you know, a minor leaguer in 2014. You know, what I mean, he learned a lot of you know things from Manny. So best of luck to Manny and Mannywood and Hollywood and all that type of stuff that Manny brings around for you. But uh, it'd be fun to see him. back In the game, one way or the other,
1: I agree that that's interesting to see a 48 year old man trying to come back to play baseball. Who does he think he is? Ichiro? Hey, no, hey, he's not. Uh, remember when
0: Rafael Pomero did that at age 53 two years ago? He went to his son's, (laughs) he played his son was like 20 and was on some like you know, international, uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, a non-affiliated team in Texas, essentially. And Palmero actually had, if you remember, two home runs we reported over like a 29-game span was actually one of the better hitters. But yeah, no, I hope I hope this goes a little bit better than Rafi's bid. Yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> um, little A uh, little bit of positive news. I know I was a little bit upset that uh, UFC 249 was canceled this past month, even though Dana White was trying to secure that. That, uh, that that private island that he was, he oh, was right. going to have the fights on? Well, the UFC has announced that they are going to have three events in the month of May. And I am stoked. They rescheduled UFC 249 for May 9th at the ViStar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. It will be closed to fans. Obviously, you're not going to be sure. having crowds for quite some time. But we're going to get all those fights back that was on that card. Along with that is going to have a fight night on May 13th at the same venue, as well as May 16th at the same venue. They're going to have four fights on the 13th, and all, only one fight is listed right now for the 16th. I'm sure there's going to be some more to add to that as well. But I am just stoked to have you know potential sports to watch and talk about. Hey, no, that's cool. I mean, again, I'm not
0: huge into the fighting uh, stuff as you all well, and those types still probably won't watch as it won't have as much uh in me. But exactly, I mean, for a lot of sports fans who enjoy the fights, I mean, this is something to look forward to. Like you said, it's coming up in May. Today's April 29th, right at about 1 p.m. Central Time. So we're, you know, we're, we're looking, you know, again, we're looking right around the block, and that's cool for... Uh, sports fans. Uh, Speaking of uh, being Blackhawks fans though, Sean Conway, both of me and you obviously diehard Blackhawks fans, they have let go of their president and CEO, Mr. John McDonough, who served 13 years uh, with the Hawks in that role, did a lot of great things with us, Sean. He brought us to three Stanley, uh, Stanley Cups in which we won all of them. We were probably the best team under his uh, leadership if you think about it prior to his leadership the last time the blackhawks won uh, a stanley cup was uh, in 1961 however if you look over the last three years including this so far shortened season the hawks are 101 and 103 in regulation with 30 overtime losses oh wow
1: so something so, had to be done i agree so um on top of the add to that the blackhawks replaced mcdonough with Rockies. Rocky Wirtz's son, Danny Wirtz, to fill in his role. And I thought one little uh, note to add on under McDonough's tenure. The Blackhawks, when the coronavirus c- brought a pause to, to you know the the gameplay, were at a record 531 consecutive yes. sold-out home games. Yes. And that was all due to the work done by McDonough and company.
0: So yeah, hats exactly. off to
1: him. I, I'm, I'm glad that he brought the titles to Chicago for us.
0: Yeah, it was fun, and obviously watching that one with you in 2015 in Carbondale, the last of the bumps, because prior to that, uh, I didn't know you to that, so we got to watch that last one. I mean, it was a pretty, I mean, if you remember, we watched the very last moments in my little shack apartment down in uh, Carbondale. But, I mean, exactly, it brought us a lot of uh, special things. Rocky Wirtz, real quick, Sean, before we get into our last piece of news, issued this statement, I think it's really important, Uh Rocky, the owner, said this. He said, 13 years ago, I recruited John to the Blackhawks because of his leadership, direction, and vision. John brought all of that to the table and more. His His contributions went well beyond leading the team to three Stanley Cup championships. He rebuilt the front office and helped guide the organization toward a winning vision. As difficult as this is, we believe this is the right decision and future for the organization and its fans. And again, nothing against McDonough, but exactly. At some point, you just got to cut ties and start uh, a new regime, essentially. And it's just that time. Exactly. It's just that time. All right, well, let's move on Uh, before we close up this show. uh, Steve Kerr, man. Steve Kerr making all these uh, uh, accusations, or uh, not accusations, saying all these things, though. He's like... He said, "Quote unquote, I feel like it's the off season." Yeah,
1: well, I believe his actual thing there: the, the Warriors were acting as if the season was over. And when I read yes. that headline, I was like, "Well, no shit, Sherlock. He's won 15 games this year. Your season was over in December, <laughs> right?" <laughs>
0: Exactly. I, I I don't know. I understand what, where he's coming from, this, Sean. What I was trying to say too is he's saying this because of the coronavirus uh, pandemic. He just doesn't think basketball is done. But exactly, what do you mean? You've won fifteen games. If anything, start looking towards you know that those lottery picks and the top three pick that you can pair with Steph and uh, what's his face, uh, Clay Thompson for their agree, you know last few right for their last few you know years of prime. Go get one more prime asset there, Sean.
1: What do we got? for next week as we wrap up this show uh, this week episodes five and six of the last dance on sunday on espn one through four have been absolutely incredible i'm looking forward to it i wore my space jam jordan jersey the other day i wore my jordan jersey the first one i'm hoping this next jordan jersey i ordered will be here before sunday it's a michael jordan birmingham barons baseball jersey i'm so stoked for that one to get here too Badass. It's just, it's going Badass. to be very, uh, it's been a lot of Jordan in this house for the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that sounds good. Uh, you catch that again. Hey, thank you for my Tune Squad jersey. By the way, I got my Daffy Duck one in the, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, in the mail uh, just yesterday. So very cool, very cool. Only thing we missed out on this week, uh, Sean Conway, would be uh, Laramie Tunsil, the left tackle for. The Houston Texans has signed a brand new three-year $66 million with $50 million of that in guarantees. He is obviously now the uh, top paid offensive lineman in all of the National Football League. Uh, to our weekly fans and listeners we'll, uh, we'll leave you off with that next week hopefully we'll have something else to report on now that all the draft uh, stuff is done Sean you know it's going to be kind of getting back in there we'll see where sports and the rest of the world kind of takes us from here on out but until next week I'm Max Zucker uh, and I'm signing off for Sean Conway right here on the Sportsaholic Podcast